Hey there, boys and girls. It's Ralph Garman, and you're listening to Talking Codswallop. Good choice. Hello, everybody. This is Ming Chen from AMC's Comic Book Man. You might know me from the Tell Him Steve Day podcast and the I Sell Comics podcast. Listen, I love podcasting. I love talking, but what I really love doing is talking codswallop. Hey, I'm Alicia Witt. I'm Daniel Portman from Game of Thrones. I play Podrick Payne. I'm Ellipses, and you're listening to the talking... Okay, I'm Mark Bernard, and you're listening to the Talking Codswallop podcast. Hey, man, it's Kevin Smith. Silent Bob, whose voice you were never used to hearing in the 90s until I started opening it up, man. And that's because I'm a podcaster and you're listening to a podcast. Talking Cod Swallow, right here, man. So, welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop, and it's a bit of a different one, because it is a boy's own adventure-style Talking Codswallop, with just, well, me, I'm James. I'm Andy, who now needs to let his cat in, because he's decided that he wants to come back home. See, in the sort of boy's own adventures we have, we get disturbed by these, by our lovable feline friends trying to come in. Come on, Fleeroy. There we go. See, we're all about niceness and animals in the boys' own <laughs> adventure You've had section. Ten minutes to get in. <laughs> Hi guys, how's everyone been? We's keeping it real. That's it. <laughs> so, everyone, you may have noticed there's a voice missing. There is a voice missing. The lovely Gemma, who is our our uh, you know empress. Uh, running things is not very well at the moment, is she? So we, we we are carrying this ourselves, just us two. As you can tell with the piss poor intro that's just occurred. Mm, very piss poor. <laughs> but uh, obviously what we're going to say is fingers crossed for Gemma and hopefully she gets better and we'd like other listeners to keep their fingers crossed too. Yeah, get get well soon, Gem. So, Andy, you had, uh, for those who don't know, Andy actually used to live in Germany uh, for, for a number of years, and you had one of your old neighbours and friends coming over, didn't you, to see you? Yes, yeah, so I've, uh, over the weekend, uh, came over for the Gallagher uh, Rugby Premiership Finals. Uh, so we saw Exeter versus Saracens at, at Twickenham. And uh, we then went, came back to Reading and watched uh, a comedian, a German comedian um, from the state where we, we lived, um, uh, Henning Van. He, uh, he was playing in my local theatre, so we uh, went to watch him. And he is brilliantly funny. He's really, really good, isn't he? Really good. He, he nails it. Absolutely nails it. Yeah. But as I, I, he wasn't bustingly funny, belly laughing funny for me. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I certainly didn't feel like I wasted my money. You know, he, he got some good chuckles out of me. Good, because isn't he also he's sometimes on the radio, isn't he, as well, and on television over here? Yeah, yeah. So he's we know him primarily from the the panel shows that he does. Yeah, he's like, is he like, he's sometimes on eight out of ten cats, isn't he? Eight out of ten cats. Um, would I lie to you? Um, sometimes he does. Have I got news for you? And uh, I think he's done a few things on Mock the Week. And he's also done live at the the Apollo. Yeah, and he's very good. And it's it, it takes it's interesting to sort of see his observations, certainly the way we do things in the UK. Yeah, taken from a German perspective, um, it also means quite a bit. I sort of see it very differently on that sort of stuff because I'm of German. You know, I've got German heritage. Yeah, 
which interestingly ties into the fact that while Andy had his friend over, I was probably, yeah, I was. I was, in fact, in, that's the weekend I was in Germany. I went over on the Sunday to see uh, my great aunt, who uh, is live, still living in Essen, <laughs> 93, has an appalling diet of chocolate, very rich cheese, the occasional banana and tomato. Yeah. Uh, as I said, she's 93, and she looks like she's in her 70s. It's frankly unbelievable <laughs> <laughs> and quite sickening. <laughs> It's all the stuff you're not supposed to do to be healthy. She does it and looks brilliant, and her mind's still incredibly sharp. And yeah, I tell you, if I can pull that off, I'll be happy. So, chocolate of choice? Um, very rich, dark chocolate, I suspect. Oh, good um, girl. The stuff that really looks after you. Well, it's supposed to be better for you. Yeah. And I was there with my dad, and we just had a brilliant time because. The weather was pretty good, other than a couple of days. We got a bit of exercise, got in some very nice meals, and I came back, you know, rested with a nice tan and my hair going that freakishly almost white colour that it does when it's very sunny. <laughs> yes, as I saw from your uh, your pictures from uh, Birmingham. Yes, and going on to Birmingham, um, on the Saturday, which was actually also happened to be my birthday, I went to Birmingham Comic Con to cover it on behalf of was the Talking Codswall podcast. And it was an interesting experience because going down on the train from Manchester to Birmingham was, well, we'll just say it was an experience because the uh, cross-country in their wisdom had decided to take an eight-carriage train and turn it to a four-carriage train. Oh, Perfect. Yeah, no provisions for anything. People having book seats, which they then couldn't get into because other people were in them. Now, I was very lucky. I initially sat down, turned out the seat. I was in somebody's book, but I went and scooted over somewhere else, and I had a train, you know, a, a seat for my entire trip, and was sat with a lady and chatting, and it was great. But there was a husband and wife on the train who tried to sit down, but had been successful, had to move, then found a seat they felt they could sit in and then later on the journey another set of people came on who were saying you sat in my seat and then almighty argument started oh good grief yeah with people going well i bought the seat i don't care i should be sad that i bought the seat now that itself is bad enough when i couldn't get my head round is there were two empty seats that people could have sat in oh yeah it seemed that they were basically just being as uh, difficult, obstinate as possible, and they yeah. even dragged the manager on the train into it, who basically just said, will you please just sit down while there's an empty seat? Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me on an aeroplane once. I couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. I'd accidentally sat one row further than I should have been, so I think I should have yeah. been in row 16. I ended up sitting in seat in the seat in 15, which was a window seat. Yeah. And the person in the middle and the aisle had already sort of sat down, and then the person whose seat I was in came storming up went, you're in my seat. I said, like, oh, am I? Uh, I don't think so. And looked at my ticket and realized, looked up and realized I'm staying and said, oh, I'm terribly sorry. I, you know, I should be in the, the seat behind me. Why don't you just sit there? Because it was two old people who were sat next to me. Hmm. And this person was determined that these two old ladies should get up just so he could sit one seat further forward than I should have been. <laughs> I was like, I was gobsmacked. And old people. Yeah, you know. But he, you know, it, it's it's amazing. People's focus just, yeah, you know. Unless listeners, unless I'm wrong, tell us. 
you know. Actually, yeah, yeah. Wade in. What do you reckon? Yeah. Should you, if you're on a train or a plane and there is the ability to sit somewhere else. Like for like. Have book seats. Yeah, like, but yeah, completely like for like. Or, rather than just going, I don't care that you've got a problem. I bought this seat, which is yeah. basically what happened and they were kicking off. Yeah. Or in your scenario where there is an obvious capacity issue. Yes. And you can see with your own eyes that the carriage is full. Mm-hmm. It's true. You know, do you stand your ground or do you just go, yeah, I'll take this one on the chin? Yeah, because to me, standing your ground, it's just, it, it accomplished nothing. It just mm. created a very hostile environment. But there are some people who just, you almost think they just like being hostile for the sake of being hostile, basically. I, I think you'll find these people are very principled. Yeah. There is a principle. I This booking was made, if you look at my ticket, yeah. it clearly says 15F, you know, train or plane. Mm-hmm. That's 15F. This is my ticket. I want to sit there. And it's the principle. Yeah, I mean, you can understand it to a degree, but it's the, also the reality of the situation, isn't it? Yeah. It's crazy. It's context, isn't it? You know, yeah. use your eyes. You know, he... In my case, the the guy should have used his eyes. Um, I was only one seat back. There's two old ladies here who are visibly frail because they struggled to get in, you know, and you could see they God. had their walking sticks. I'm going to sit in that seat, you know, and in your case, you know, packed train, I'm going to sit here, even though there's two seats over there. It's, yeah, a sad state of affairs. Mm. But, yeah, that will be interesting, actually. What do the, the listeners reckon? Yeah. Uh, What's the best way of dealing with this? What's the decorum? Yeah, wade in. Mm. So I'd say, yeah. So so that was on route to Birmingham, and was it was it uh, a train also packed with cosplayers and people dressed up for the occasion? Well, I was expecting that could be the case, but surprisingly, no. There were only two other people that I ended up sort of speaking to who actually went to the convention, and getting in was brilliant. It was really easy. Um, there were no problems actually getting into the building. Um, I saw a lot of very interesting people, but what really surprised me at the event as a whole is it, I didn't see that many really interesting sort of costumes on people. I saw some good costumes, but it almost, it was busy, but it didn't seem as full as with people who were putting the effort into dress up. So it's people, I think, who would like sort of me just there for the experience of going to it, mm. which is cool. There's no issues with that. But I was looking when I went in, I actually made a beeline for an actor called Mark Strickson, who I particularly wanted to see she'd been in A Christmas Carol, um, and a very specific, specific version of it. There's a 1984 version, which is really faithful to the novel and has George C. Scott in it. And that's one of my favorite films. So I made a beeline for him as soon as I went in. Uh, I was looking to be able to get his autograph and I spoke to him and said, could I get a few words, uh, interviewing you for, the podcast I'm on. Uh, he seemed completely agreeable to it. I had to get agreement from the people called the pit bosses, mm-hmm. uh, who were sort of walking the floor wearing red shirts. And the, because the specific rule on the paper we given said that you had to get permission from them. Mm. So even if the actor or celebrity, whatever sports person there said yes, if the pit boss said no, they, you know, their rule was final. Mm. And from previous experience, I recognise you have to, you know, follow the rules. Mm. So yeah, great. Spoke to them. Got an interview, which I'm hoping we'll be able to get put out. And it was very interesting when he was just talking about his career and the fact that he's now come out of acting and gone into sort of like the producing and work on uh, documentaries. Yeah, uh, as actually and work with the late Steve Irwin. Mm-hmm. So that was a really interesting thing to find out about that. 
so I'm here with Mark Strickson, uh, who's one of the guests here at Collectomania 26. Uh, Mark has a very varied career. He's here, though, today to talk about his work in Dot 2. But I'm here wanting to talk to him about one of my all-time favourite films, which he was in, which is A Christmas Carol. So... I'll let Mark take it away and we'll see how things go. Well, I've been asked to describe my career. This could, I'll try and make it short. Um, I trained at the Royal Academy of Dramatic Art, RADA. Um, I then went into theatre. Um, my first job on television was in a soap opera called Angels, which was about nurses in Birmingham. Boy played Terry, an ambulance driver. And um, I soon went on from that to Doctor Who. Um, so that's how I ended up in Doctor Who, which was a lovely job because I was with lovely people. Um, Peter Davis and Janet Fielding, Sarah Susson, who I work with, were just really nice to work with. And we, and we still see each other and get on very well. Um, and one of the first jobs I did after that was A Christmas Carol. So what would you like to ask me about A Christmas Carol? Well, A Christmas Carol, to, to explain for those who haven't seen it, first thing I'll say is watch it. It's the 1984 version. It is the most, I think, the most faithful and accurate to the actual uh, the book of you know the Charles Dickens novel. Um, it is exceptionally well filmed, and obviously the part you played was a young Scrooge. So I'd like to know how well how you found out about the part, how you got it, and you told me something very interesting about when you were staying in Shrewsbury where it was filmed. So yeah, no, it was it, it was it was. Um the normal way actors get jobs really um, obviously George C. Scott played Scrooge yeah. so they needed somebody who looked like a young George C. Scott and I think it was my eyes probably yeah. um, but anyway um, a, 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 a few of us auditioned for it and um, Clive Donner was the uh, director and I, I got the part which was lovely it was fantastic um, because it was sort of like an all star UK cast with, with George playing Scrooge who I thought actually gave a very good performance um, but the extraordinary thing was that my father who'd been a, a musician and a teacher most of his life um, actually changed jobs um, at that point in my life and he became um, a manager for the National Trust so looking after big houses for the National Trust and the first job he got was um, looking after a house called Attingham Park outside Shrewsbury well about a week after they moved in I got the job on A Christmas Carol and when I found out where they were filming it was Attingham Park in Shrewsbury so I was able to stay with my mum and dad and walk downstairs and out into the park which they snowed up these snow machines to make it look like Hyde Park in the winter and all those sorts of things so it was amazing for, for me and my mum and dad um, you know the, the, that it was filmed there um, it's my mum's favourite film at Christmas for two reasons one I'm in it yeah. but two she lives there at one of the locations and, and, and she likes seeing it and one of the, the uh, people you work with, uh, if my memory served me correctly, Joanne Whaley, was that correct? She was working with him? Joanne Whaley, yeah, 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 yeah. Did you have any memories of working with her? No, I mean, I just really enjoyed myself. <laughs> um, I loved a lot. I love doing period things. It's, it's fantastic to do period things. Um, the only bad bit about it for me was I am a rubbish dancer. <laughs> well, I had to do that. You did better than I ever would. <laughs> well, I did my best. I thought, considering I'm a rubbish dancer, I got away with it. <laughs> and what would you say playing in playing, you know, playing a, a you're playing an iconic, well-known character at a young age? What did you find the most challenging part of playing Scrooge? 
Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you had to... What was nice about playing the young Scrooge was the young Scrooge was my age, right? Um, and, and that's it. If you can play a character that is really your age, rather than having to go up ten years or down ten years, which you frequently have to do, um, it's great. Um, so it was, you know, it was very easy for me to to play the the romance and you know and the being confused about life and all those sorts of things. Because I don't know whether I'm the same as many other people, but I reckon it takes you until your mid thirties to sort of settle down to life. I can. I can admit to that now at this the age I am yet so I find it very easy to play a confused young man <laughs> with Doctor Who you were saying obviously you have very fond memories of working on Doctor Who what uh, what would you say is your fondest memory working on that I have lots of fond memories of working on, on, on Doctor Who I mean my fondest memory is really my first day it was wonderful um, for those of you people who don't know it was a story called Morden Undead and it starts off with my character Turlo stealing a very beautiful vintage car now in the days when we made Doctor Who there was no rehearsal before filming so I turned up at the location um, with absolutely no no rehearsal at all um, so the first thing they did was they said now Mark you've got to drive this car it's what's called a double declutching car they're quite hard to drive so would you like to take it for a run <laughs> so I thought well this is alright you know they give me a car probably worth £100,000 on my first day of filming and they let me drive off into the English countryside on my own oh if this is what Doctor Who's going to be like I'm, I'm, I'm up for it but then I did my first scene and um, imagine you, you, you do your first scene that's what you're stuck with as a regular character the voice is what you're stuck with the mannerisms everything and you've had no rehearsal so anyway John Nathan Turner the producer the first scene was me trying to persuade another guy called Hippo to get in the car and drive off in it so I did the scene and um, after it John said can I just have a word and he took me aside and I was a bit, I was a bit worried you know, what was he going to say and, he, and I was supposed to be pretending I was an alien but I was supposed to be pretending to be a public school boy and he said Mark he said can you be a bit posher <laughs> and I said well John I said not really I was doing it as posh as I could he said and, and this is a great credit to, to John Nathan Turner and his producer skills he said that's fine Mark he said you're going to have to be doing this for a while whatever you're happy with I'm happy with it and that's that was great it, it was it was great yeah and uh, how, how how have things gone so far today? Have you been enjoying yourself? You got to. Well, today's weird. Um, it's not weird. It's not any weirder than doing any Doctor Who convention um, or, or one of these Comic Con things. Um, uh, this is Collectomania in Birmingham, yeah. right? So it is one of the biggest. Yeah. Um, so it's all a bit overwhelming. Now you've got to remember that these days I produce television programmes. So my one of my claims to fame other than being in Doctor Who is that I discovered Steve Irwin the Australian wildlife presenter and the first films I made with Steve were massive global hits alright yeah no they were massive massive hits and overnight I became a name director and I have made hundreds of hours literally of documentaries since that's the last 24 years um, and I am still very busy making documentaries uh, and I work for Discovery, National Geographic, ITV, Channel 5, you know, I work for 
um, European companies like Arte and ZDF in Germany. So, yeah, that's, that's my job. Um, and when I come to one of these things, um, it's even weirder, possibly, for me than it is for people who are still acting. Um, I do big... There's a company called Big Finish that does lots of Doctor Who products. So do BBC Enterprise. Yeah, the audio ones. So do BBC Enterprises, and I do work for both of them as an actor, and I still do voiceovers. But, yeah, no, for me, it's peculiar, sort of having to turn up and be me and sign autographs. It's great. You meet lots of lovely people. I'll, I'll let you come to an end so you can get off and rest. But which do you prefer now, the acting or the, the doing the documentary work? Well, I love acting. I'm... Um, I am very glad I became a documentary producer because it's given me the opportunity to work in extraordinary places, some of them incredibly remote, all over the world. Um, I've done things that you can't pay to do um, as a tourist. Um, you know, I lived often. I lived in an island on an island off the west coast of Irian Jaya, which is the far west part of um, um, Papua New Guinea on an island um, and filmed flying lizards for four and a half months um, didn't meet anybody over 30 the whole time I was there very few people live there because the malaria is so bad it's never really been settled but I saw amazing things and it was an extraordinary experience I came out with tropical ulcers all over my body but it didn't matter they got better in the end oh, that's a very positive way of looking at it things improve <laughs> but you know at the, at the end of the day um, manta rays would come swimming down past the beach that we were on you could just dive in the water and swim with these manta rays and things like that so these are experiences that I've had that I would never have had if I'd just been an actor so yeah life's life's long Um, so it's good to do a lot of things I'm looking forward to retiring and going back to acting (laughs) well thank you very much and I hope you have a really nice day uh, at Collectomania thank you really nice to talk to you cheers I went around the rest of the floor and I saw some people, you know, interviewed some really nice people who were in sort of costumes as well. I uh, got a good feel. I mean, the environment was absolutely brilliant. Really nice, relaxed, friendly environment. No issues with anybody. I got to, uh, have a few words, not an interview, unfortunately, but have a few words with, uh, Helen Slater, the original Supergirl, who seemed a very nice, but, but very, very tired woman. Yeah. Has she been on a red eye over from the US? I suspect so. The the other interesting thing was you also had a lady there called Laura Vandervoort, who was um, possibly, well, other than the Supergirl TV show, a more recent Supergirl, because she was in Smallville. And she was, you know, the interesting thing is everybody had, say, one, should we say, handler with them, mm. who would be sort of protecting and trying to make sure they were okay. And in the case of talking to Mark Streaks and... Uh, we went off to a choir in the building and, you know, his handler did, did her job. She said, are you definitely sure you want to go away, you know, somewhere else with this? Because obviously they don't know me from mm-hmm. Adam, do they? I could be some complete lunatic. Yeah. Um, but they were happy enough to let me do that. No sort of, you know, issues. Laura Vandervoort had three people um, who, frankly, were shit scary looking. <laughs> Big beefcakes. With no neck. One big beef... Well, yeah, one big beefcake guy in a suit. One woman who just... I never saw a smile, ever. And then one other... Um, what I assume was a member of the uh, the showmasters group there. And good God, you wouldn't have messed with them. <laughs> I don't know what she was expecting to happen. But I don't know how much 
and I could be wrong, but I don't know how much she really wanted to be there because although, you know, she did the, you know, she's very gracious to everybody and friendly and silent stuff. I caught her facial expression at one point and she did not look like a happy bunny. Yeah, I I do feel for um, celebrities having to do this. It's, they're yeah. there making, you know, they're, they're not doing it for free. So obviously they're making no. cash of it. But they are making money. Yeah. Having to deal with the general public is soul yeah. destroying and, you know, people's lack of filter in, the, in their excitement. Yeah. <laughs> I can imagine it can be torturous. And I agree with you 100%. I was sort of, you know, well, you've, been, you've done well, you've done very well on that part because you preempted me because I was talking to somebody there and I was trying to explain to them that there was somebody who was just queuing up, that the process must be a bit intimidating. You know, even people are actors who've done these things because you go into an environment where you have no idea who will actually be there. You don't really know what you're going to be dealing with. And there are some really obsessive people, these things, mm. who, well, how can I put it? So I, I, I got a chance to speak. Well, one of the guys I spoke to was Brandon Routh, who played Superman in Superman Returns. Very friendly guy, very nice. He was great with people, you know, was giving people hugs and things. And clearly, I think, was really quite enjoying seeing the public. But, you know, he's an actor, so <laughs> you can never be sure. But one other person that I was really, really happy to see was a lady called Sophie Aldred, who'd been in the original run of Doctor Who and sort of worked with Sylvester McCoy. Mm-hmm. And she was a really nice woman. And I got an interview with her, but the process behind that was quite unusual because she obviously had the contractual obligation where she had to sign, uh, do various autographs and things. And she said, well, come and sit with me and we'll work something out. I was very patient for this podcast because I ended up having to sit around for about three quarters of an hour on my own. <laughs> Watching the madness. Well, it was really kind of cool when you sat behind the desk watching all the folks. I got really, I got on really well with the staff who were doing it. Mm. I cannot stress this enough. Thank you so much to Showmasters. Thank you so, so much to uh, the Pit Boss people, particularly Megan, because they did, they went out of the way to help me. They yeah. were very good. They let me sit where I should not have been sat, even though I had a press you know, badge. Mm. And I probably spent in total about an hour with Sophie Aldred, but uh, we couldn't really chat because she was on to do her stuff. But yeah. like I said, she took the time out to actually let me sit in an interview and talk to her. For me, this is a huge thing because I'm getting to speak to Sophie Aldred, who, for me, you know, Sophie, for me, you were the person who got me into Doctor when I was young. Um, You know, your work with Celeste McCall was the stuff that I always sort of remember from my knowledge of Doctor and uh, and being involved. So, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is how did you find out about the role of Ace and how did you, you know, what was the audition process? Oh, okay. So, my agent um, put me up for three episodes of Doctor Who. And of course, I'd not done any telly. I was singing in the back row of the chorus in a production of Fiddler on the Roof up in Manchester at the Opera House with the amazing Topol who created the role of Tevye in the movie and I just thought you know that's where I was going I was going to be in musicals she put me up for these uh, three episodes and I went down to London did the audition never auditioned for telly before went back up to Manchester then a couple of weeks later I got a recall it was quite expensive because I was having to go down in the morning and I was on equity minimum and all that and um, and then um, I found out I'd 
got the part, not only for these three episodes, but they were considering, they wanted me, they wanted to know whether I would consider taking on the role of Doctor Who's assistant. And I mean, it was just a dream come true. It was incredible. So I didn't do a screen test or anything. And the first time I'd ever been in front of a camera was after we'd, we'd had rehearsals for a week. And then we got to TV Centre and I was actually recording my first scene of um, a story called Dragonfire. And um, the camera sort of looked me up and down and, uh, and by the end of the first day, the producer came down the stairs and said, yeah, we, we, we'll, we're on, we're on, he said, if you're on. And it, it was just, it wouldn't happen now. It just, it was unbelievable. And what would you say is the, the what do you you know what do you have the most how can I put it what are your fondest memories of working on Doctor Who? My fondest memories really are of the people. It's always the people you work with, isn't it? That's always the, in any in any job in any industry. Um, and so for me, meeting Sylvester was a um, uh, wonderful. Um, in that first story I did. Bonnie Langford was so great. She was so gracious and kind and showed me the ropes. And everyone I encountered was just so lovely. Um, really happy to help. Um, crew crew as well. I love working with the crews we had on Doctor Who because all the crews really wanted to work on Doctor Who because, of course, for them, it was a real chance to be creative. You know, you had makeup and costume people and set designers who couldn't do what they did on Doctor Who anywhere else because they were creating looks for monsters, for, um, for villains, for other worlds, for planets. So everyone was very excited to work on Doctor Who. And I think that was, that was what, what the great thing was, this atmosphere of camaraderie and of everybody pulling together in difficult circumstances sometimes, in very small budgets, um, very long hours, very um, stressful, because we had to get as much done as we possibly could in the shortest amount of time. It's ironic, isn't it, that Doctor Who is a programme about a time lord and, you know, there's never enough time. And what, I mean, what I always liked about Ace is that compared to sort of previous, probably she's been a very good template for the assistants that are around now because she was sort of ballsy and feisty and didn't sort of take no for an answer. Ace was such a fantastic character to play because she was a real role model for people who at the time, we're talking 1987, there weren't very many young, strong female role models on TV. I can think of Susan Tully in EastEnders, who was very realistic, but really women and, and had been on Doctor Who, sort of more ciphers and more sort of screaming. And uh, yeah, there were strong characters, but they quickly used to turn into just somebody who was there to ask the Doctor where were they, what was happening and so on. Whereas Ace, right the way through, um, was developed as a character and that's in no small part thanks to our script editor Andrew Cartmel who was very concerned with having a lot of character development and also Sylvester McCoy who was generous enough as a doctor 
to allow me to have a lot of the storyline. And one of the things that you also, that I love, is you voiced Dennis the Menace. I did, yes. We, I did Dennis and Nasher, um, and it's quite funny because my initial reading of it was with a sort of slight Cockney accent, so it was like, um, come on, Nasher, let's go! Yeah, come on, everyone! And, um, and then the BBC came back after we'd recorded five episodes, and they said, how come that Dennis's parents are from up north and Dennis has got this kind of Cockney accent. So I had to redo the whole five episodes that we'd recorded in this, come on, Nasha, let's go! Oh, you softy Walter! You know, in a, in a northern accent instead. I love the fact you can just jump straight into it as well. One of the things you've been, that I've been really interested to see that you've been doing uh, recently is you've been doing recordings with Trevor and Simon. Would you be able to tell my listeners a bit more about that, please? Yeah, definitely. Uh, Trevor and Simon were at university in Manchester with me. Uh, Simon was my year, Trevor was the year below. And um, we never got to work together, but I did, I did love their style of comedy, so loved it. And we were obviously on TV at the same sort of time because they were on Going Live and Live and Kicking and I was uh, doing Doctor Who and Words and Pictures and stuff for the BBC and then there was one season where I was doing CITV I was on a programme called Wow on Saturday mornings and they were on, yeah, and they were on, uh, they were on the other side. And then weirdly, my husband was also, he was on Sky Sports doing Soccer AM. So you could kind of switch over and see me, my husband and my friends all on telly on a Saturday morning. It was quite funny. But um, years later, we had a reunion of uh, uh, um, our Manchester students and... A great friend of ours, Claire Eden, who was an agent for a while, and then she produced a lot of um, audio stuff. Um, she just suggested to Simon and me that we do something together, and he and Trev came up with these really great scripts called Strangeness in Space. And Claire and I just—it it was real laugh out loud when I got them through, when I got the scripts and read them. And we did some podcasts, which you can download for free, um, called Strangeness in Space. And, yeah, they were, they're really great. And we managed to start getting guest stars. So, like, Alexis Sale and um, who else? Do we, oh, all sorts of people. Dune McKeegan, who was in the, ta- the day-to-day, and lots of Steve Coogan stuff, and Toast of London. She was also with us at Manchester, so she plays a big part in it as well. And basically, it was a great chance for us mates to get together, have a laugh, and produce something of high quality that we thought fans would really like. Well, I've lo- I mean, I've listened to it. And I've really enjoyed listening oh. to it as well. Um, so the one question, well, well, a couple more questions I just wanted to ask. So, and sorry, you know, I don't want to take too much of your time, but. If they ask you back to Doctor Who, I, I find it... I cannot get my head around the fact Ace has not been back in the show. Would you return? Like a shot, yes. I want to know what people think happened to Ace because she's really the only companion who never, on telly, got a send-off or you never really know what happened. And I know Russell T. Davis was... Um, there was an episode of the Sarah Jane Adventures where... 
it was mentioned that a Dorothy uh, had this charity called A Charitable Earth and Big Finish have worked that into their um, adventures as well but I would love to go back and just just find out what happened to her and uh, just so obviously from Alice is there any sort of what, what sort of future things have you got coming up that you'd like people to know about I've just finished working on something that's coming out later in the year um, and it's a, a drama called Sill and the Devil Seeds of Arador and it will be on DVD I think you can pre-order it on Amazon and um, it's written about um, a character called Sill who appeared in Colin Baker's era he's a real sort of wide boy alien slug and a fantastically played by um, a wonderful actor called Nabil Shaban and I play an alien character in it and I wanted to see what it was like to play a character with prosthetic makeup because I'd never done that before. And it was a real experience to have to sit in a makeup chair for like three hours or something. What's it like spending hours having all the things put on? Well, the good thing I wasn't completely covered. My face wasn't completely covered. So you can see who it is and it made it obviously much easier to be able to, um, to act. But you have to have so much patience. Luckily, I am quite a patient person, so that's, I, I take my hat off to people who have that day in, day out. Um, it also was it's quite tough on the skin. I was kind of crying for about three days afterwards. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really, really great to do. Brilliant team working on it, fantastic crew, great cast. So I've got... I can recommend it to you. Excellent. And one question I always like to ask people is, uh, in your your line of work, if you could play any part at all, what would it be? Oh, my goodness. Do you know what? I'm going to say, and it does vary from time to time, but I would like to play Ace again in Doctor Who. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me, and it's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you very much, James. Thank you. I met some amazing people there. There's a guy who redoes and makes Daleks. All right. A screen accurate, though. Nice. So, and that's his bread and butter. And that guy was amazing. Uh, We've got a link through with him on uh, Twitter, actually. Excellent. But as I said, Sophie Aldra was an absolutely wonderful uh, person, really nice to speak to. Um, And just very, very nice woman. Very nice. Same thing with Mark Street. Very nice man. And it was, all in all, it was just a really well-run day. Thankfully, getting back was very simple. No issues with the trains. Um, got back in sort of record time. Um, but the event itself, you did see some... The costumes that I've taken pictures of, there's some really good ones. The atmosphere was absolutely brilliant because everybody was just really happy and enjoying themselves. And it was all in all just a really good experience. It was nice to see people you know when you're out about you see and certainly whilst you're on the train going up you see far too many stressed unhappy people but at these sort of conventions you've just seen a lot of very happy people and it was just it ran like clockwork the way it was set up it was really smoothly run there were no issues that I could see with people getting autographs and things I mean there were huge queues at certain points for some of them but that's what you'd expect um, George Went, who was in Cheers and I think um, like Toy Story films and had a part in Star Wars was incredibly popular. 
as was Brandon Routh and Laura Vandervoort. But again, the the thing is that they all had time for people. Yeah. Even when you could see they were a bit, you know, maybe not overly happy with being there, some of them. Which is understandable because you're tired, aren't you? You're mm. a, you've got all these people asking for your time. And it will be very stressful at points when you're signing and talking and signing and talking. Yeah. I think everybody had a great time. Um, and I'd recommend you, if, and I assume they will do number 27, that if people do want to go to it, they really should go for it because... I don't think you'll find any way they treat you any better, to be honest, the way the staff were. They, it was absolutely brilliant. And to be fair, if you're having a bad day, you're having a bad day. Yeah. And that's the sort of thing that I, the, the feel I got. For some of these people, you have to appreciate they'll be tired, won't they? You mm. know, it's a, uh, you know, say, well, in Brandon Ralph, I said to him, how are you tired? And he said, I'm doing surprisingly well, considering I came in on a red eye yesterday. Yeah. You know, the, it's crazy because I imagine some people, they literally just roll off the airplane into a taxi into the event yeah. and then roll back out. You know? Well, I think that's what happened with Terry Hatch when she was at the event in Liverpool. I think she came in on the day yeah. uh, or very late on. Sorry, no, probably very late on, on the day before, did the weekend and then left. Yeah. So you are right. For some people, like the people in the UK, they may just get there in the morning, get on with it. But I was chatting to the staff, and they were saying how their starting time was sometimes it's six a.m. Yeah. And they've got to run all the way through that day to God knows what time in the evening, and they've got to run all the way through the next day. But they're, and they're doing that out of love, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I hats off to anyone who does the event management, act, you know, work. You know, whether that's conventions, whether that's hospitality. Because mm. one of my, the first jobs after leaving school was I did silver service up at Silverstone Circuit for uh, corporate hospitality, you know, and you'd get there in July, say for the Grand Prix, it's dark when you get there and it's dark when you leave because mm. you're there before sunrise to get things set up and you're there well past sunset clearing down. So yeah, they are long days that I do not miss. So yeah, no. I've, I'm always courteous to event staff because you just know, you know, the day that they've had, you know, yeah. they don't need a stroppy customer in the, up in their face. And they are, I mean, the people, again, can't follow them. And I actually recognise some of them from previous events I've been to and we just got churning about things. So all in all, uh, as an event, I give it 10 out of 10. I think the only thing that was a bit of a letdown on the day was obviously the train journey going in, but that's nothing to do with them, is it? No. You know, that's, that's a separate thing. But, I, uh, yeah, I'm hoping that I'll be able to go to in the future because, well... I just had a very enjoyable time. Oh, excellent. So, you know, so what what would you pick out as lowlights of the event? Look, the, what, the, the things that weren't so good. Yeah, before we then sort of go into the highlights. So what are the lowlights? Um, that's a really hard one to answer, if I'm honest, Andy, because it, it was pretty well done. I think the only thing I actually, I'll tell you, the only thing that I'd do that I'd improve it with is have somewhere to sit. Yeah. Because that was the only thing. There were a few little places you could sit, but they were generally for people maybe watching events, things like that. So the only thing I'd do is to allow people to have a bit of a rest. Yeah. But to be fair, everything was, yeah. The stuff that would not, you would expect to normally be an issue at events, I'd say a toilet that was a mess. Yeah. No issues with that. Everything was kept really clean there on top of things. As to highlights for the event, yeah. um, I'd say the to me the big highlight was, but again it's a personal thing, is the fact that I was getting to meet Mark Strickson, who was from you know the, the Christmas Carol film, and learn. And the recording will be in you know I'm sure those interviews will be up for people to listen to to learn all about his career and what he's doing now. Getting to 
I have a few words with Brandon Routh was really good because I like the guy's work. But I was really, really impressed to see that Sophie... Well, to be fair, with Sophie Aldred, I was very impressed to see her ability to interact with her fans um, and the fact she was nice enough to take the time to talk to me because she didn't have to do that. Neither did Mark Strix, neither of them had to put in the time and effort to talk to me to do a podcast interview and the fact that also she's from you know i remember from my childhood yeah this was the person who got me aware and, and sort of have an interest in you know dot two things like that so yeah though that was those were the big highlights for me it's one of these things where you walk away thinking wow i've told somebody i used to look at tv as a kid and that's that's a i, I get you know i can understand people some people being a bit overawed by things like that and you know, for some people, it is their life. You know, it's something they really live for. But yeah, I found it enjoyable. I can see the appeal of it. Awesome. It's probably just finding, for some people, a bit of a concern when maybe they don't quite get the reality and against fantasy thing. Yeah. You get my drift. Yeah. So, you know, apart from the lack of seating for those pushing 40 and, and above, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> maybe the, the occasional obsessive fan. Out of 10, how many fishes would you give the event? How many fishes would I give it? Well, the ankling rod was out. You know what? I'd give it a nine. I really would give it a nine. A nine. A nine. A, a solid nine cod out of 10. A solid nine cod out of 10. Excellent. The chippy's happy at that point. Excellent. Excellent. Nine battered cod coming up. So, <laughs> if you ever find yourself near Birmingham mm. and the Comic-Con, movie and Comic-Con, mm-hmm. get yourself there. That's it. Yeah, get yourself to it. And also, just keep an eye on Showmasters, because they're doing London as well. Yeah. So, they're producing some good stuff. I think, I mean, I've seen the same thing, just to to say for all the sort of big conventions, I'm, I've, I've not been to loads of them, but the ones I've certainly been to of late, <laughs> the, uh, the stuff done by Showmasters... Uh, the stuff that's done, um, that's coming up for the love of sci-fi sort of stuff, it's all, it's all, you're all seeing it being really well run. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they're putting that effort, that effort in to get the big names to get stuff that helps fans is just brilliant. Awesome. Today I'm here as Peter Capaldi's Doctor Who with and my I'm, partner. And I'm Jodie Whittaker, new female 13th Doctor Who. Excellent costumes, I have to say. And I suspect you've had the same thing that I've done where people keep stopping asking for photographs. So what makes you go as the Doctor? Oh, I've been a Doctor Who fan since I was born. So, And, uh, yeah, it's just oh, yeah. kept getting better and better over the years. Waiting on the new Doctor, grabbing it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I can now, as a female, actually dressed as Doctor Who, which is brilliant. <laughs> and she's really good, and I think she's going to get better and better. And, um, again, I've watched it since I was little, so... So I'm gonna I'm gonna put the cat amongst the pigeons. Who is? I'm starting to get really really mixed quite answers on this one. No domestic, please. Uh, who is the best doctor? David Tennant. Doctor. Doctor. <laughs> Peter Capaldi. <laughs> See, for me, it's a toss-up between Capaldi and McGann. Actually, I really like McGann's short run. I think he deserved a be- Yeah, I think he deserved a better. Had they had a good run, it'd have been really good, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And do you attend a lot of these events? Yes. Yeah. Um, the first one we went to, we didn't dress up, but then when we saw everyone else dressed up, we thought, oh, why not? It's a bit of escapism, isn't it? So, 
Oh yeah. yeah, it's time for us to come out to play. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the adults have a go for a change. <clears throat> well, the good thing is that what I like about this is the environment. You get a very nice, relaxed environment, and there's no hassle from people. Yeah. Unlike, yeah, unlike the train, I came up on one of your fighting over seats. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's always good. It's um, like it says, it's a laid back, it's a relaxing day, but it's a fun day as well. So it's really good. Yeah, yeah. And how hot are you both in your costume? It's not too bad in here, but outside, we went outside for a bit and it was, we came back in, it was too hot. Yeah. <laughs> Warmer out there than in here. Yeah, with a long jacket, a hoodie and a woolly jumper, I am feeling the heat a bit at the moment. <laughs> and do you, do you just do this as sort of dressing up in the, the, the fan costumes or do you, do you have a, like a promotion page or is it just purely going out and having fun? Do a bit more, we've met another group haven't we and, and we go to their things and 15th yeah 15th yeah. Cyber Legion um, and we went to a thing at Neen Valley Railway the other week which was fantastic, Daleks on steam trains, I mean it was, it was amazing it was brilliant fun. Daleks squirting water <laughs> as well <laughs> that's different, so obviously thank you both for taking the time to speak, hope you have a nice day and uh, look forward to seeing you at future events Thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Hi, I'm Joe Vanian, I'm from Wales, and I'm cosplaying as the Beast. And it is an exceptionally good costume. I mean, this is really good. It really looks the part. It must be, but we were discussing how you must be pretty warm in it, though. Yeah, yeah, especially I didn't expect it to be the hottest day of the year today. But, uh, yeah, it, it's not so bad. Like I said earlier, I was all in leather, so I was a lot, a lot hotter. This is a much lighter put the waistcoat on and the overcoat it's it's a lot better still warm yeah. but not as bad what made you pick the beast as your costume um well i'm not slim and i'm quite hairy so for me it was i'm with my age guy now it was either do odin or do the beast and i thought i can still pull off the beast okay so i'll stick with the beast you certainly can so it's very good um do you ever go as anybody else or is that predominantly you've gone with the beast um the lion from the wizard of oz um, and, and so the last couple of years those who I've stuck to mainly because the thing is if I dress as sort of Deadpool or Batman it's like hmm, Batman's let himself go a bit although it doesn't really matter in cosplay I just try to stick to my strengths now and what advice would you give uh, to anybody who wants to go, in cos- goes, go into doing cosplay don't worry about it don't, don't worry about ridicule it doesn't matter that's not what cosplay is about it's just about going out there and doing it my first cosplay was 1982 or 3 Doctor Who 20th anniversary first time I dressed up in cosplay so some 38 years ago it wasn't good you look back at the photos and it's like oh my god it's embarrassing but you know I didn't care and that's that's the best way to be at the end of the day if you've got the nerve to do it just enjoy it because you'll just have fun you know and do you have a web page or anything anyone can look at your stuff do you I've got um the real mccoy if you type in the real mccoy you should find me so excellent well thank you so much for taking the time on that it's one hell of a costume thank you hi uh, i'm becky pollock i'm here as black widow today um i'm cosplaying today because it's a great fun thing to do where else would you get to dress up as in a cat suit and go around with people taking photos of you it's a whole load of fun today i just met colin baker and i almost cried of excitement uh and it's just been a really really fun day and met loads of really cool people so i was going to ask the question who have you most looked forward to meeting or who have you most enjoyed but i think you probably answered it with colin baker oh colin baker he's just such an idol I'm a, such a big Doctor Who fan and last year at the London Comic Con I met Sylvester McCoy and this year it's just 
to keep that rhythm going is just the most exciting thing. Yeah. If you so with regard to cosplay, do you dress up as anybody else? Have you got any other sort of people you like to do um, cosplay as? So for the last two years, I've gone as Supergirl. So I've really been mixing out this year, so switching over to the dark side of Marvel, um, which is a whole lot of fun because you get to try new things every year and it's a lot of fun. Excellent. And obviously you go to quite a few of these. If you could give advice to anybody who, who is new to the idea of going into cosplaying, costuming, what would it be? Absolutely just throw yourself in. There is only a deep end here and it's just the most fun thing. When I first came to my first Comic-Con a few years ago, I was really nervous. I was worried to like go up and talk to people or take photos. But after I've done it a few times, I absolutely love going up to people. And because everyone here is a fan of the same kind of thing and everyone enjoys it so much that I would say just throw yourself in and have the best day you possibly can because it's worth it. And do you have like a web page that promotes your stuff at all? Um, I have an Instagram. So it's called, yeah, um, it's Becky on a Break. Um, and it just follows me, cosplaying, gap year, things like that, traveling. Well, thank you very much for taking the time thank to you. I hope you have a really nice day. Thank okay. you. Thank you, you too. I'm Chris. I uh, come here dressed as John Marsden. Uh, I come here uh, for the cosplay. I've been coming there for the past three years and, yeah, really enjoy it. So... And what, so you, do you, you've obviously said you've been coming to a lot of these previously. What is it you enjoy the most about coming to these? Uh, mostly being recognised as a character. So people seeing the character, recognising it, wanting photos, having a chat about the cosplay and, and just um, the general atmosphere. You have people like me appearing going, excuse me, can I get a picture? Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> and um, what would you say, because obviously you know, you come in, in character in a costume, what's the most difficult part for you of putting it all together? Um, some uh, some cosplays are quite hard. I mean, yeah, for like, specific bits uh, that you can't find, but um, mostly it's the cost. So trying to put everything together. But if if you know what you're looking for, it's more or less quite easy with the cosplay. But and have you got any more of these sort of planned for the within the year that you're going to be going to? Yep, I'll be going to Milton Keynes next week. Um, I'll be going to Birmingham at the end of the year as well, and uh, possibly Wales in December as well. And if you could give advice to anybody for who wants to do cosplay, what would it be? Um, what I'd say is cosplay is for everyone, so don't, so don't be put off by height, weight, whatever. Um, just if you if you like a character, if you feel strongly about a character, and just go for it. And is there a just because obviously for our listeners, is there like a Facebook page or anything we could link in that you know if people want to look at stuff you do? Do you have anything like that? Uh, I don't have a page at the minute, but um, on Facebook, uh, if you type in Smithinator92, um, it'll be easy to find me there. Um, if not, I'll be on the Collector Mania page. All right, well, brilliant. Thank you very much, and I hope you have a nice day. Thank you. Hello, my name's Jeff Bannister, and I'm dressed as Emmett from the Lego movie. And it's one hell of an impressive costume. How... Well, A, what made you pick that costume, and uh, how difficult is it wearing that? Um difficult to wear very hot this is hot this is very hot oh, yeah, yeah very hot um, I watched the movie and I thought oh I'll do that I've done a few Lego characters I've got a friend that does them as well so he's done Hellboy and Freddy Krueger and I've done Lego Terminator Captain Kirk uh, Deadpool I've done a few so obviously you've come to a few of these have you got any others planned for the well A how are you finding the day and have you got anything else planned for the year ahead um, it's, it's good. It's, uh, it's it's larger than I expected. Um, I've got a few uh, cons to go to, but I don't know whether I'll make anything else because the house is getting a bit full. 
And um, if you could give any advice, because I always like to say people, if you could give any advice to anybody who wants to do cosplay, what would it be? Don't matter what you go as, if you feel comfortable wearing it, do it. You know, it don't matter how you're tall, short, you know, thin, chubby. Go as what you want to go. Bugger anybody else. (laughs) Just wear what you want to wear, go as what you want to wear, and have fun. And do you have a uh, sort of page or anything, uh, like a web page or anything that our listeners could have a look at? I've got uh, Instagram, Zipatronic, and uh, Twitter, but I'm not a big uh, blogger or you know, poster. I just do it a bit for fun. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. I hope you have a lovely day, and I hope you're not too hot in that. Thank you very much. Cheers. Okay, so my name's Bane Monbrum, and I've come from a character from The Last Crusade. Um, I don't actually know his name. I think he's one of those mysterious characters. Uh, as my son's come as Indy, so I just thought it'd be a nice, nice change compared to what we normally do. What would you normally? I normally come as Bane. Yeah, and uh, then my, my son comes as one of the jo- Joker's henchmen, and my, my brother comes as the Joker. So we normally make a quite good ensemble, but um, uh, it's been a bit quiet this year, so uh, it's just just us two. I'm, I'm the other son that's Wolverine. <laughs> Definitely a family affair then. Oh, oh, yeah, I can't convince the wife yet though. Can't convince the wife. <laughs> what make? Because obviously all of you, your entire family, sort of into it, which is brilliant. What got your passion into doing it then? Um, I, I think it's all them years of being a kid, and when we used to have um, fancy dress parties, we were invited to, and, and never got dressed up because parents really didn't put much effort in. And I think that's where it, it sort of stems from. So I think you know it's a it's a chance to do it now. And we do tend to get a little bit geeky over certain things and making sure things are a little bit right or got hidden meanings, a little bit like the cross. Yeah. C3PO, you see. So a lot of people. You know, the terrible thing is that I hadn't originally twigged that. I do not. No, I think you have to be a hardcore geek really to get that. There's been about three people that spotted it um, without me saying anything. Yeah. That's brilliant, though, that you've gone to that extra bit of attention to detail. And I guess the fact is that now, you're, you know, from you're an adult, you get to sort of do this properly on a big, enjoyable scale as well. Uh, what advice would you give to anybody who wants to cosplay? Don't, don't worry about what people think. Yeah, so at the end of the day, um, it doesn't matter how good your costume is. Um, every, everybody around here knows what you're dressed as. Uh, and, you know, it's just enjoy it. It's just a fun day. And do you, uh, do you have any sort of like, do you promote yourself at all? Do you have any pages or anything like that? Or do you just do it as, a, as something you do for yourself? No, no. My, my, my other brother that's into uh, the film industry does dental stuff. Uh, he keeps saying to me about doing a Facebook page and promoting what we do. Especially when you're, you're working on something over, the, over the, you know, the weeks or the months before the show. Um, but it's just some I just I don't know I've got far too many hobbies in my life I, 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 I do the army cadet force I'm involved in a 4x4 group that does other shows and it's just another thing that takes up time I, I just like to enjoy myself so you never rest by <laughs> no 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 well it's always good to be busy and thank you for taking the time out to let me take your picture and have a chat as well that's alright that's alright so I'm Lee Bradley. I'm uh, costuming as uh, Superman from Superman Returns, Brandon Ralph version. It's a very, very good costume, this. Oh, thank you. Uh, nine years, four versions to get to this point. Because, yeah, I had, a lo- I had a love for the suit, and it was just complicated enough for me to sink my teeth into it. Made the cape, made the boots, 
the suit, the shield, the belt were all from different companies. I had to find, I could never find one company that I was happy with. Either the shield was too big, too small, it wasn't the right colour. So it was many, many years of different sources and putting it all together, which is part of the fun. So the person I'm going to guess you were here to see is Brandon Rout. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, you'd be daft not to, wouldn't you? I mean... Yeah, he 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 he, he loved he loved the suit. He kept t- he kept touching the shield. Oh, so you've already met him, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. He was the first. I came in and he was the first person I went to see. He loved the suit, which was that was it. And I had an autograph, and he took my autograph back off me and said and wrote on it, "You make a great Superman." And I was like, "Well, there you go. I've had the nod from the man himself. If anyone's going to know, it's him." What would you say is the most difficult part of cosplay? Is it? It's, well, firstly, let's do a two the two from this. Okay. Do you predominantly dress as Superman or do you have any, any other costumes I've lots I've, I've lots of other co- I've been doing it for 20 years now wow first I'm amazed that you that you, you know that you've managed to get in 20 years so I thought you were way young <laughs> now, since, since I was about 18 I did my first costume and it's been growing ever since I did I was a lot younger than that sir <laughs> oh bless you thank you makeup it's all makeup <laughs> but what would you say is the most challenging part of dressing as Superman uh, other than the fact that you said putting sorry, put my phone, but other than you said that getting all the parts together for the costume, um, I don't know. Just 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 making sure that you play the part, and and because it, it's it's mainly for uh, the kids. Because one of the earliest memories I ever had was I met a Spider-Man at Dudley Zoo, and. I'm, so as a kid, when you meet a character, you meet the character. It's like it's Spider-Man, it's Batman, Superman. So it's it's emulating that character because you, you don't you don't want to see a kid, you know, see you holding a Starbucks or smoking a cigarette. It's like that's not a good image. It's like the, the, the child, the children who are here. Or if I do a charity event in a hospital, when you go as the character, you've got to be the character. You've got to maintain that, and it's a bit of magic for them that they can hold on to for the rest of their lives. So that's one of the reasons that I do it is to give that gift that I had as a kid back. And that's a brilliant. Uh, that is a really good, good thing to do about it. So, you, you, obviously, you come to quite a few of these events. Have you got any others planned that you'd be going to throughout the year? Um, maybe back here again in November, uh, London Film and Comic Con. Um, I think that's about it so far. They get expensive, so you've got to plan your year accordingly. And it all, again, it all depends on the guests. So I'm looking forward to London. They've got they've got Brendan Fraser, so I'm going to go as Rick O'Connell. So it's it's good to meet the actors dressed as the characters because if, if they say it's good, then you know you're doing your job. And um, with regard to you, and because you've seen you've also got uh, several costumes that you do, uh, the people you cosplay as, is there anywhere that uh, my listeners could look? You know, do you have a web page or anything like that? Or? Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm on Facebook. It's a Geeky Lee cosplay. I'm, I've just started Instagram. So you just started Instagram. It's a, I go old school. I was there before the internet doing costumes. So now we've got this big platform. Um, so yeah if anyone wants to check me out I'm going to start expanding upon it and I've got over 30 costumes now going back to the 90s all the way up to now it's just like I'm proper old school so well thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me and that is an absolutely brilliant costume sir and have a nice day and you take care I'm Nathan and I've come as the Green Arrow from CW's Arrow Um, what made you choose him as your character well, uh, watching the early seasons, I got very much into the character. He was very relatable, but then when I saw the costume introduced in season four and five, I fell in love with it, um, and then my friend sort of convinced me to do this. So I sort of took it from there. And what would you say is the most challenging part of dressing up as the Green Arrow? 
I would say the heat is always a, uh, a major issue because it would be... You look like you'd be quite warm in that. Yeah, uh, multiple layers of leather. I've got like a net uh, piece under the jacket. Um, but without, I don't have to wear the mask, luckily. I've seen a bit. Um, but yeah, definitely the heat, I would say. It's definitely the ultimate weight loss sort of costume, yeah. Is there anybody else you dress up as, or is it predominantly Arab? I also do the 12th Doctor from Doctor Who and Spider-Man. Cool. And uh, what do you say is... Uh, what, what do you like the most about sort of coming to these sort of events? I think it's meeting new people and seeing that there's a lot more people like yourself. Because um, you go to like, football matches and you sort of think that's the norm, but you don't have to think that. There's a lot more variety out there. You can express yourself a lot more through cosplay. Okay. And do you have like a web page or anything that people can look at your stuff? I have a Instagram, which is Spider Vigilante, all one word. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. I hope you have a nice day. You too. Thank you very much. Right. Well, I'm Noel. Uh, I'm just as uh, fluffy the xenomorph. So uh, fluffy, uh, my, my daughter named named him Fluffy. So uh, yeah. So this is who I am. He's a nice cuddly xenomorph. He is. Bless him. He's a very lo- lovely, loving, cu- uh, cuddly thing, isn't he? Oh yes, yeah. He'll give you four head kisses, no problem at all. So he's a little bit rough with the with the kisses, but uh, yeah. So. <laughs> so what made what made you pick uh, the xenomorph? I mean, it's one hell. The, the pictures will go up, but if anyone was listening to this, uh, say in the car or something, or just just listening to it without the images, this is one hell of a good costume. So what made you go for it? I also envision one hell of a hot costume. It is boiling. I am. I've got sweat dripping in my eyes. I'm not sure if it's sweat or acid. To be fair, it feels like acid. But um, yeah. So well, I've always loved Alien anyway. Ever since I was little, I got one. I got a tattoo on my arm. I've always loved aliens, and I wanted. Uh, I've always wanted a life-size alien since I was. Oh, I can't remember when. So I decided to make one. Mm-hmm. I did the first Comic Con in um, Cardiff. Right. Um, so I live in. I live in Barry, and um, I had a, a just did a quick chestburster cosplay, and I joked. Wow that the next cost, uh, cosplay will be will be uh, and yeah. grown up yeah it'll be fully grown of course I committed myself then didn't I so and from then I made I made um, Fluffy and that was about three years ago and I've remade the head since then so I can see it and it's got more animatronics and everything in it as well and sound now which I've just debuting today mm-hmm. so uh, yeah so um, yeah I wasn't happy with the last head and the feet are a killer as well so I'm walking on heels all the time oh right so I know I know I'm, I'm a glutton for punishment I don't know why I do this to be honest with you every time I wear it I say oh it's the last time it's the last time and it never is because everyone loves it so <laughs> well, you can appreciate the pain that women must go through when they're walking uh, in high heels then oh yeah absolutely absolutely you know it's a nightmare so it's uh, but you know you got to do what you got to do haven't you so obviously you're at Collector Mania 26 that is so it's one to the 26th one of these I was yeah. at the 25th I think last year or, yeah I was here last year uh, what is the what, what do you most enjoy about coming to these sort of events um, I, the people to be honest with you um, I tend not to go for the merchandise A I've got no pockets anyway <laughs> um, and um, the people and the guests um, you know the odd guests yeah fine I, I, you know sometimes there's some amazing guests and you, and you go and chat I mean the first time I wore Fluffy out um, oh god I can't remember his name now the stunt coordinator who was dressed as the original Xenomorph he actually oh, got up from his desk and walked across to me and um, I got some really nice pictures he just wandered across it was brilliant I was like oh my god and um, but there's the people as well you know I know I, I made a lot of friends through cosplay a lot of friend, friends through uh, comic cons and um, I know a few people here who are, who are doing some cosplay talks across there there's a couple of predators around who are my friends as well who I'm trying to look for actually and hunt 
so they can get I can get them before they get me. And uh, yeah, so it's just mystery the atmosphere and the people. So, so yes, um, uh, yeah. So there we are, and this as well. You know, I got a picture taken. Oh. As we as we we're here now. Yep, he's popular. <laughs> no worries. The kids love it as well. Yeah. They say it's scary, but it's not that scary. So obviously, I think people are queuing to take pictures <laughs> with you. But I'm going to ask I'm going to ask one one of the sort of questions. Obviously. What is the most challenging part? Well, ask two actually. What's the most challenging part of making this wonderful costume? Oh God, getting it right and finding the time to do it. Oh, <laughs> I have clearly picked the most popular man in this building. <laughs> oh yes, I must admit, right, and I think it's because it's so tall. I mean, I'm wearing I'm wearing the heels. I wish I had longer legs. I got short, dumpy legs. Ah. I'm only five foot eight and a bit. So uh, about the same height as me. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I just wish I had longer legs. I wouldn't have to wear these stupid shoes. Um, the most challenging part uh, for this actually is trying to work out uh, the sounds and, and the animatronics. Um, I got I, had, I got two servos, one for the one for the inner mouth and one for the um, uh, for the lips, which actually do curl up. But I've had to take that one out because the servo broke a couple of days ago. And finding the, finding the power as well. So I've been hacking. I've been, I was up till about midnight last night hacking a power bank to uh, to stay on. I don't know why. I, I, I'm not good on electric, so. Well, I'm very very impressed that you've done this. I mean, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Um, so, do you have a web page or anything? So I'm not, I don't want, to, don't want to take up too much more of your time. Do you have a web page or anything where you can promote yourself? Um, I've got a website. Well, it's my Facebook page at the moment. I'm, uh, it's yeah. called Tailor Made Cosplay. Mm-hmm. Now, there's two Tailor Made Cosplays. Mine's the one that's linked to Noel Taylor. So right. um, I didn't realise there was two. And every time somebody links me uh, in, into it, it goes to hers. Ah. <laughs> or links her into it, it goes to me. So, right. which is a bit weird. But um, but yeah. So uh, I'm have to change the change the name of that. But um, yeah. So it's Tailor Made Cosplay. And uh, my last one was uh, Venom, so I did like half uh, half uh, Venom there. Well, I'll, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to me. I hope you have a really nice day. Thank you very much indeed. My name is Paul. I have come today as Captain Deadpool uh, because I like a mashup. I think it's quite important to mash the styles and genres and that sort of stuff. I didn't really want to be exactly the same as everybody else and say, oh, there's another Deadpool or there's another Batman. And so all of my costumes are mashups. Today for Collector Mania, see some famous people, have a wander around, get some stuff that I don't need with money that I don't have. <laughs> the usual good stuff. And do you come to a lot of these conventions other than, other than this? So this isn't like your first what? No, we, we go to quite a few, uh, maybe half a dozen to about a dozen a year. So we try and get to as many as we can. So me and my friends and my other half and that sort of stuff. And this is a regular thing for us. A couple of years on now, so more costumes to do. And what is it that attracts you to coming to these sort of events? Uh, the fun, the openness, um, everybody kind of nerds out a little bit and just lets go and you can stand and have a conversation about how a warp drive works and then you can turn around and start talking about lightsabers and Superman. So, yeah, just to kind of generally natter with everybody and just have stuff in common and it's good fun, although it's bloody hot. Yeah, and what, well, I was going to say you will be very hot now. It's a very impressive costume. What is the, what's the big, big thing you're looking forward to today, though? Seeing my friends. Uh, we have a, uh, a sort of a group of friends that you, you see every now and again at these comic cons and because everybody lives so far away uh, when we all get together it's great and we hang out at the pub afterwards like a bunch of oddballs you know and that's the best part that's what I'm looking forward to today is just seeing some good friends and having a laugh and that kind of thing really yeah is there a sort of a web page or anything that we can find your details on do you have a, do you do a page or anything or not 
Uh, I don't have a website, but I am on Instagram. Okay. Uh, it's at Mashed Up Cosplay. Uh, that's me. Uh, my other half, who is a Harley cat walking around somewhere. Um, she's a Tira cosplay uh, and a Tira clothing. She will make. She makes almost all of this. Um, I do all the leather work and she does the proper stuff. Um, so yes, that's just a mashed up cosplay and that's me. That's where you'll find all my others. Jedi Jokers and Steampunk Winter Soldier and that sort of stuff is my other ones that I do. And just to annoy everybody, I do a Starfleet Sith to mash Star Trek and Star Wars. <laughs> I like that a lot. I like that a lot. I always That'll have... be me tomorrow. So that's where I am tomorrow. I'm not here tomorrow. <laughs> right, okay. But I do like sometimes... I'm not the guts to do it yet to sometimes ask the Star Trek fan or Star Wars fan, is it a different character to see the reaction? But I've not had the guts to do that one yet. I was at the Star Wars convention in the costume and got a few people not very happy with me. I went to the Star Trek convention. All the Trekkies thought it was fantastic all the regular you know, what we call muggles they some of them don't like it you're at the wrong convention you are and F you and all of that and you think well get a life well some of that's what it, what it is about I like what I like about these things is you get a brilliant thing of people all coming together and having fun in a very relaxed happy atmosphere so I won't take up any more of your time I hope you have a really nice day and uh, we'll promote you on the thing thank you very much have a great day yourself good luck to you Hello, I'm uh, Simon Richards, and I'm here dressed as Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka from the 70s. Oh, yeah, it's from the 70s film. 70s. And he's very, very good. It's a really good costume. So, what made you pick that costume? I've always been a huge fan of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, the book, Roald Dahl book. And uh, I just, I think I've always loved this costume and how whimsical and crazy it is. And Gene Wilder embodied that character for me, I think. And, um, and when he passed away... Uh, it was really sad and I thought this is the time to make the costume so I've been making it on and off since then and kind of just ended up now this is the year when I've made it it's finally finally all together <laughs> and what would you say is the most difficult part of creating that I mean because that's an impressive costume uh, the most difficult part of making it or um, well <laughs> I think um, probably getting the frock coat kind of right the velvet the, it's an interesting because of the way the film was made in the 70s and they kind of over colorized it and made it quite whimsical itself um, it was hard to kind of match the color of the velvet with what you see on screen because obviously it changes sort of organically um, and actually it's a, I think it's much more sort of a rich bluish purple um, but because of the way they colour it, it comes out almost like a bright Cadbury's purple almost. So it's kind of like chocolatey. So, um, yeah, that was probably the hardest part. Just sort of colour matching and making it all flow together, I think, yeah. And I've got to ask, how warm are you? I am exceptionally warm, yes. Yeah, it's, it's too warm for a big velvet frock coat and a, and a waistcoat and a big old, big old bow tie. Um, but it's, you know, all for the love of the costume, so I wouldn't have it any other way. And do you attend any other events throughout the year? You, uh, do you go to a lot of these sort of cosplaying events and, and uh, well, f- fan events? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, te- I used to go to many more. I think over the years they've, they've kind of got more and more frequent, actually, and they're more popular. So um, I kind of pick and choose. They're not the most cheapest things to go to all the time, depending on where you're traveling from. So I tend to pick a few big ones, a couple of small ones, and just kind of depends on the costume as well, really, because I've got quite a few in my repertoire. So uh, Tell me more. That's going to be my other question. Is there anyone else you got? Well, you, you beat me to that question. Um, okay, so um, I started off in cosplay doing sort of costumes of sort of Doctor Who characters, sort of the Doctor himself, and, and David Tennant's one was my kind of the Doctor that I chose uh, at the time. And um, so then, from then, I sort of, I've, I've, my main one is uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. So that's my 
my big one that I do. Um, and then just other little kind of characters, Indiana Jones I do as well, which is a good one. Um, and then I've got V for Vendetta, you know, the, the, the full, full black, full whack. Uh, but again, on days like this, so it's, basically, really, it's, really yeah. a win- it's a winter one, that one. So basically every costume you have is like the ultimate weight loss program. Yes, yeah, it seems to be uh, I could lose a good stone or two in weight just in sweating, walking around. But uh, yeah, I, I absolutely love it, so great. Uh, and with regard to yourself and the because you've got more than one costume which is brilliant is there any any sort of fan page you have for yourself any web page anything like that um, well I'm, uh, basically my Instagram is just srichards182 um, I've got a Captain Jack Sparrow page you could find which is just I think it's uh, Simon Richards Captain Jack Sparrow costumer so you'll, you'll spot me on there um, but no I just kind of post up bits and pieces really and uh, uh, I do a lot of sort of charity work with the costume mostly as Jack Sparrow because it's a really big hitter with, with sort of all ages as such so it's a really nice one to do um, but yeah so that's, that's me really in a nutshell <laughs> well thanks for taking the time to speak to me and hope you have a nice day and excellent costume choice oh, well, thank you very much thanks Hi there guys, my name's Tom Connor, I run a little business called Tom's Refurbishments in Chesterfield, North Derbyshire, and I refurbish, repair and remake parts of full-size Daleks all up and down the country, and my associate here is Dalek Dave Mark III. Say hello Dave. Greetings humans, I am Dalek Unit Dave Mark III, you will obey Dalek instructions or be exterminated. You can't argue with that, can you? So, how did you get into doing this? Uh, well, Dalek Dave has uh, been a labour of love of mine for nearly 15 years since I... Uh, it's, a, it's a very long story I won't go into too much detail about, but... Um, He's looking good. Oh, thank you very much. It's, um, like I say, it's, it's, been a very, it's been a very big labour of love for me. Uh, a friend of mine in Barnsley revamped him about eight years ago, and since then I've learned a couple of tricks of the trade myself, working on him, and then uh, refurbished a couple of others, which are based in Scarborough, Chesterfield, and as far as... Uh, Cornwall as well uh, and Dalek Dave is yet to now become a new fully fledged member of the Sons of Scarrow permanently and what's the most challenging part of this? one of the most challenging parts um, I would say it's, it's a sort of cross between getting the wheelchairs welded up properly so they go into the bases correctly um, another nice little challenge I like to do is when I get orders in for the next sections uh, it's just trying to get them so that all the struts are exactly 90 degrees upwards because they do twist every now and then when I'm building them but some people like that because they look a bit more authentic to the BBC ones and I'm going to assume the most rewarding thing is coming to events like this and the reaction Oh, the, the reaction's absolutely fantastic, especially from the children. They, they absolutely love the Daleks. They, they can't get enough of them. It's lovely to see that, although the show is over 50 years old now, they can still, like, generate so much joy in a child's eyes, and then they can terrify the life out of all the mums and dads as well still. Um, but how brilliant is it to see that the design of the Dalek hasn't actually changed really that much? You know, it's things have altered obviously to improve its appearance you know mm. but I'm saying the overall design yeah you can almost think it's like a Porsche 911 isn't it they've, they've changed a little element yeah but the whole the, the genesis of the, of the, the design is the same yeah well that's the thing that the, the Dalek design itself is very iconic and it's like you say it's not changed a great deal over the past 50 years there was there was a massive redesign in 2010 which was loved by a, a lot and hated by a many but 
you know, it's each to their own on their different tastes. I, I, to me, a Dalek is a Dalek, period. And I'm happy to refurbish and repair any make or model for, like, you know, so long as somebody is wanting to have it done right. That's not a problem. And what's the uh, what's it like in there? Um, depending on what, how somebody has built it, it can be roomy or it can be very claustrophobic. Um, I'm quite privileged to have the fact that Dalek Dave is made mainly of fiberglass, so he's quite roomy. But then other constructions which are made mainly out of plywood and other pieces of material like that, uh, they might be a bit more cramped inside to keep the structural integrity uh, so that they're event-worthy. Excellent. So, uh, what, just so my listeners know, what future events are you going to be at? Uh, future events for my diary, personally, uh, I wouldn't be able to tell you unless I had my diary to hand. Uh, it's normally my wife, Lauren, who takes care of all that, you see. Uh, she manages the, the account side and organises the events. I'm literally just the guy who makes all the stuff and puts it together. <laughs> well, what I would say is, uh, obviously, you know, a huge, huge thank you for this. And if you just tell us again, for my listeners... Uh, if they wanted to you know, learn more about what you do and maybe yep. you know, commission work from you where they can go yeah well uh, we have Facebook Instagram and Twitter you can find us at uh, Tom's Refurbishments just type in Tom's Refurbishments onto Google and you'll most likely get the Facebook page straight away as your first results um, but like I say we are on Twitter as uh, at toms.refurbs or I think it's an underscore I can't remember it's the wife again who set it up and manages all that uh, and the Instagram as well is pretty much the same just Tom's Refurbishments you'll find us drop us a message we're more than happy to give advice and assistance for free of charge um, because it's it, a lot of it is general knowledge that can be found on forums but anything which you want privately commissioned we can always discuss options nothing is impo- well I would say nothing is impossible but I don't want to shoot myself in the foot a lot of things are able to be done so just get in touch and we'll see what we can do for you brilliant well thank you very much thank you Dalek Dave and uh, I hope you all have a nice day thank you I think we've been talking enough cods wallop this week I've been James I've been Andy Gemma has been ill so everyone again thoughts and prayers